It's the most wonderful time of the year We've got friends, just a couple And they've got rebuttals on stuff it appears It's the most wonderful time of the year That, that was a lot more singing than I was expecting for... I mean, I knew you had a good in- I knew you had a good intro today, but I didn't know that it would go through a whole verse almost. I mean, I mean either. It's not great, but you know, it's, it's what happened. They don't come here for the singing, pal. Oh, you ain't kidding, fella. They sure don't. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, as far as I could tell from today, they really just come here to tell us we're wrong. So. Yeah, which is uh, this is actually is my favorite episode of the year. No joke. Um, although the, the one that we do where we go when like our next episode, when we go back and do our favorite thing is actually, it's, it's kind of a one, a one B I do love this. This is the rebuttal episode. So we are very excited. We are bringing some of our nearest and dearest listeners and friends onto the podcast to tell us all the things that we've done wrong, Jer. On, onto the what? There's a word in there that just sounded a little. The podcast. Oh, oh, oh Okay. Got it, got it. The podcast. Is that, is that not how it's pronounced? Am I saying it right? I think it's I thought it was podcast. Oh no, I think it's podcast. Hmm. Could be. Could be. <laughs> this is getting really weird. So the point of today's episode is for people to find flaws in what we do, like this right now. Many flaws to be had. Yeah, and I'm in a super goofy mood and I couldn't think of a better way to introduce some people to say that we're not great at this, but we're having fun. <laughs> My, my only question for you, JT, is of the of the group that's assembled today, what percentage of them text you, for your group, what percent of them text you with something you've done wrong after, let's go with every episode? Every episode, 0%. Okay, or more of like how many texts per month would you say mm. you, uh, you you are, are corrective in some way? I would say I only average out at like, so corrective only like maybe one text a month engaging okay. quite, quite a bit quite a bit like i'll definitely get some yeah, opinions yeah. but more like discussion not like hey that's wrong yeah no i get i, I guess i get i get more of those so <laughs> for uh for, for the most text texting texters of of my of my circle i look forward to your comments in a few minutes yeah so, without further ado, let's hear about all the things that we messed up this year, Jer. All right. Well, let's kick off with the singular person who's probably saw the most mistakes I made pretty much in life. And to uh, just sort of keep that thread alive, we'll see what mistakes I've made this year on the podcast. Introducing our recurring rebuttal guest, Mom. Mom with home and... Throughout life, um, many rebuttals. This is actually, hello, this is actually not a major rebuttal at all. It's just you need an, you needed an addition. The rebuttals I make are very often, JT, I don't know if you know, but whenever I listen to one of your podcasts, which is when I'm out walking, basically, um, I usually send out a, 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 just a name to Jeremy with, a, with three question marks on it. So last week when you did the episode on um, people who have passed, I had an exclamation points, Robert Shaw. How come Robert Shaw was not discussed? How come Alan Rickman was not discussed? So those are my rebuttals. That's when my rebuttals. Oh, 
Oh, oh, because Rickman's last role was garbage. That's no, what. That's exactly last, why. Rickman's last many roles were garbage, but that's it. No, no, no. But that's the category. It's not like great dead actors. It's, well, it's the same thing. You know, or yeah. Well, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but she, but she's right. I get I get a lot of texts. A lot of them are in all caps and have a lot of exclamation points. <laughs> And I will say that other than like that particular one, in general, she's not she's not wrong. She catches stuff. I miss all, things Oliver here Reed. Oliver Reed. I, what I had told Jeremy JT was that uh, I I've been to Malta a few times. That's where he died in a bar in Malta. I didn't know that. Yes, he was sitting and he became he was famous. They've actually got a plaque at this particular bar to uh, um, to Oliver Reed. That's oh, where goodness. he spent his time. So. Essentially, what I'm talking about this time, I looked up. It, it's like I say, not so much a rebuttal as much as I to add something to it that I think one of the a movie that was terribly lacking, terribly because I love this movie. It was your 40th uh, uh, podcast, the numbers in titles oh. episode. Ah, okay. okay. All 1975 right. September. They didn't give an exact date. But September 1975, 7.4 on the IMDb, 63 okay. on Metascore. Okay, and, sounds about right. Okay, I'll give you. Might give it away, but I but I I either give you names that nobody has ever heard of, or I give you a couple of other people. So, John Houseman. Okay. Sidney Pollock. Ooh, Pollock's an interesting one because he's in stuff and he directs stuff and sometimes he directs stuff he's in. Yeah. And I just saw him in something, actually. Oh, I just watched Michael Clayton, which he was in. Oh, great movie, uh, isn't it? it? It was fun. It was fun. I love that um, movie. One of my favorite movies. So I have my five Okay, words. that's not five, enough for me, yeah. Okay, five words. Most handsome man in America. Okay, for my mom, JT, that is... Uh, every now, well, in America, so it's not tenant. So it, it's uh, that's Robert Redford. It's Robert Redford. Um, Robert Redford. What seventy? What five? With John Houseman. Oof! This is uh, with a number. I got all the presents. This is a great time for Redford. He's making great movies right around now. He doesn't have to. He just looks good. Well. <laughs> <laughs> this is and this is this is nothing for you, right, JT? Like you're just like no. you might know it, you might nothing, not. Yeah, nothing? no. I mean, I know, I know every. I mean, obviously, I know Robert Redford. I definitely know Pollock. Um, but no, I mean, I, seventy-five is not going to be a wheelhouse for me. I'm thinking about no, because all it's stuck in my head. My all I'm thinking about right now is like uh, Jeremiah Johnson and uh, the Candidate, and like I'm seeing the post poster art. And even the sting, and I'm I'm just like I can't get them out of my head. So, thankfully, it's not a trivia day where I could have a few more hours to remember it. But um, you, you got us. You got us. What's the movie? Three Days of the Condor. Oh, that's a good movie. It's a very, I've never seen it. I've never even heard of it. Oh, put that on your list, buddy. I remember actually, you- Jeremy. You were very young when I suggested it to you originally. You were in your teens. And you were very annoyed with me. You said, what kind of a movie is this? And you came back to me many years later. And you said, boy, what a great movie that was. Because it's just, I, you, you remember that? 
I do remember it. Yeah. I, and and I saw this around the same time. JT, you ever see uh, Marathon Man? Yes, that I've seen. Okay, because I put this in that same kind of family of mid-70s sort of action spy thrillers. They were doing a lot of thrillers. It was, the, the, it was those times, you know, the CIA and the Cold War and, you know, all of this stuff was going on. Uh, the story essentially is of a young man. The reason, by the way, uh, I put most handsome man in America was not, um, was more just because I had to talk about the most handsome. But I, there, it has nothing to do with the movie. It just has to do with my major crush on Robert Redford all these years. He's a young man who works for the CIA, but he works in a very dull-seeming job in an office in New York City. They read books, and they look for clues to possible plots, to possible um, information that might be coming through in, in books. He goes out to have lunch. He comes back, and everyone has been shot. Everyone has been killed. They've been assassinated. He calls the CIA, and in the terms of those years, he wanted to be brought in, just like you know they bring in spies, and all of a sudden recognizes that they're going to try and kill him. And, mm. the, and that's the movie, is him trying to figure out why are they trying to kill him, what is going on, and essentially it's a CIA thriller. It has Max von Sydow, who plays a phenomenal assassin, the way only Max von Sydow could play. Um, JT, remember when we were talking about like actors that, that I really like that are sort of off the beaten path, like Jorgen Prochnow? Sure. Max von Sydow is in that list for me. He's like high on that list. For so me. I just went to the IMDb page just because this, this movie literally doesn't ring any bells. And the two things that immediately jumped out to me, the first one was Max von Sydow's name because I also love him. Like I absolutely love him. And like seeing him this young is neat because I know his work as old Max von Sydow. The second thing that jumped out to me is the third image of Robert Redford here. I got to tell you. Yeah, he's real attractive. I mean, he's big Brad Pitt vibes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He was. I, I would say Brad Pitt is like Brad Pitt took the took the belt of you know handsome blonde actors. So, Ma, did was there back then? Did they do things like did, was there the People magazine like Sexiest Man Alive? Did was Robert Redford like that in the seventies? Robert Redford was always that. He was gorgeous. He was absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> serious. There's not a picture you can look at where I mean. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He did a movie, I don't know, JT, if you ever heard of it, called uh, Downhill Skier. Outstanding movie. Very few people saw it. The man was stunning. <laughs> he was beautiful. By the way, for some of JT's friends, we're talking about the guy who plays the director in uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. So, <laughs> I was <gonna> say, yeah. <laughs> I, I will say this: when you see images of of this, like this one image, he's striking, like he's strikingly handsome. But like he is not aged as well as as this because I, I mean, he still looks good. He's a good looking guy. Well, you but, know, he's in his eighties, and he's one of the few, I'm guessing, who has not done stuff to his face. That's true. Um, <laughs> right, yeah, that's true. Which is why I think uh, there's a brilliant scene in this film with with Max von Sydow. Like I say, he plays the assassin, and at one point, he is at uh, uh, Redford doesn't know whether or not he's after him, and they're in an elevator going up a few floors, and there's just silence, and they make small talk, and you don't know is he after him, is he not after him? Brilliant, brilliant movie, as far as I'm concerned. 
And it doesn't leave at the end. It doesn't wrap it up. It just leaves you hanging. Well, we're not. We're not going to. We're not going to. Even though it's forty-five or so years old, we're going to try not to spoil too much of it for JT here. I think is committing to watch it as of this, this. this episode. Yeah. I'll definitely watch this. Yeah. Great. I mean, I listen. You said a bunch of things I like. You said Max von Sydow. You said CIA. You said thriller. I'm into all those things. Yeah. 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 And it gives you some credit for intelligence. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Mom, for being a great listener. It's always nice to get those texts. We make jokes about it, but I actually love that it makes you think of other actors or movies or stuff I've forgotten because it's fun because we've always shared that and appreciate you listening and appreciate you coming on to join us again this year. We'll have to uh, we'll have to get the trifecta in old 22. Sounds great. It's been terrific fun. Thank you for allowing me to do this, and uh, I'll see you next year. <laughs> see you next year, Mama Tillman. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're here in the rebuttal episode, and I am excited to bring this next person on. This is a person that is a devout listener, which we're very grateful for. More importantly, usually agrees with Jeremy, which we're not grateful for. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Bricklemeyer, everybody. Hey, guys. Excited to be here. Thank you. Hello, new friend and, and, and replacement for JT. How are you? It is yeah. a pleasure to have you here for now and into the far future. That is uh, offensive and probably accurate. Uh, I'm going to, so before, Jeremy always is going to launch into us. So on the millennial spectrum, where do you fall? Before we do that, I'm going to tell you one of the angriest texts that I've ever gotten from this guy. And we worked together for a fair amount of time, at which time I made him angry all the time, is you mentioned a movie with a young Val Kilmer that I had not seen. And I got a scathing text that I have not seen real genius from this person. So regardless of where his age falls, that's an important note moving forward. Hey, Ryan, do you ever have that dream where you're standing on sort of naked sun god robes with a thousand naked women around you throwing little pickles at you? Always. That's that's my recurring blessed dream as it happens so often i do have a strange uh i have a strange thing around popcorn though there's just a lot of it so i hear you popcorn oh, and lasers cool cool so inside good. joke guys <laughs> we just wanted to be inclusive for you tt yeah thanks it's yeah it's only inside for people who have some respect for culture yeah. All right. Well, I'm really glad that this is how we're starting. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, I am very excited because uh, I have no idea what episode that we're about to get rebutted. Um, so, Ryan, without further ado, you know the rules, bud. Take it away. I do. Uh, so I'll start with I am rebutting you on the food episode. So I'll give you a starting point there. So this is uh, June 30th, 2004. A Metacritic of 64, whatever the hell that means. Uh, and for actors, I'm going to give you uh, Ryan Reynolds and Christopher Maloney. Okay, I have a guess. Ryan Reynolds and Chris Maloney. I so, think I have a guess. You do? I think so. So 2004 Ryan Reynolds and food is waiting. But you talked about waiting. On the show. Oh. So it's you not did? that. <laughs> you did. You did. And it is not that. Uh, I'm glad you would, were you, would you like would you like five words? Yeah, for sure. We we would. Uh, so buddies seek sustenance through haze. 
Through Haze? Haze. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle? This is Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Oh, this is a really good pick. <laughs> yeah, I, I just rewatched this like three weeks ago because I was curious. Uh, you just, you just, I, I, again, we haven't done all of this, but you might have just won the episode. That was a brilliant selection. Oh, thank you. man. Thank you. Thank you. That's so good. I, I should start, though. Like, this is a very, very good movie. It is not a great movie. It is a surprisingly important movie, which I can't believe I'm saying about a stoner <laughs> flick. But uh, so, of course, there's a couple of things that are important to me uh, about this. Uh, first of all, it's Cal Penn and John Cho, um, two Asian American actors, which actually is kind of a thing. The original uh, ads for the film were promoted by saying, the Asian guy from American Pie and the Indian guy from Van Wilder. Like that's how they sold this in, in 2004. Wow. And there was some like real pushback from the stars going like, I don't know that that's okay. Um, <laughs> was there actually, I'm curious, like was the actual pushback? Cause these days you obviously would never do that, but it startles me. That's an 04 thing. If you told me that was like 94, I'd be like, Oh yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, no, it's totally an O4 thing. And I, I don't recall if it was Cal Penn or John Cho who was like, hey, guys, this is not really the way to do this. But what was sort of what they finally said was okay. Like, this was in the trailer. It was not like just ads, like they, the trailer said this. And they were like, it is true. And so we're going to go with it for now because it is really the Asian guy, the one from American Pie, right. and the Indian guy, right. the one from Van Wilder. So they were, they were good with that. Um, but yeah, like the movie itself, um, it's it's fun. It's great. It has some nostalgia for me because it's uh, I'm from Philly. It's in Jersey, although it was all filmed in Ontario because of course it is. Um, <laughs> so like, there's that part of it. But there's some so many interesting facts, and I think the one other thing that's important where we've come to in 2021, uh, this relaunched, relaunched Neil Patrick Harris's career. Like he was out. So I wanted to I want to ask you about that. I don't know why, but I researched this movie recently um, and then ended up rewatching it and loved it. It was, it, it, it mostly holds up. You, ho you sort of have to go into it knowing there's going to be some kind of rough around the edges. And then I went looking at NPH on IMDb and a couple other places. He never actually stopped. Right. I agree oh. with you personally, like personally to me, this is the movie that brought him back into like the zeitgeist, you know, this, you know, he's, he was hysterical, especially, but I actually looked at his career and I'm curious what your take is like, cause I could make the argument that actually it was just an entry in his, uh, uh, portfolio, whatever the word is. Yeah. I would say that he didn't stop acting. He didn't stop working. Um, supposedly he fell into the Val Kilmer component of maybe not the nicest guy at the time. Um, he was very prolific on Broadway uh, during this time. And that's part of it, right? He, he feels very much that he's tied to the Broadway scene. And so there's that. But this is the movie before he's Barney Stinson. Right. Like this is the thing that's right before what I would say he's probably most known for. And what really took him from, hey, that guy's always Doogie Hauser. To oh right. that's Neil Patrick that's Neil Patrick Harris right it's not you're old old Doogie Howser now it's like you're a fully formed actor and a person which is nice that that happens <laughs> uh, yeah so like for for me that's part of it I have a fun fact for you 
Will and uh, Fred the, 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 the movie was written with him directly in the script. Like they wrote it for him. Um, but they had a backup oh. plan. Anybody want to guess the backup plan? It's 2004. I'm trying to think of who would be a Neil Patrick Harris-like object. I've got what I would call, and I guess this is wrong, but I've got what I would call a great way I might have approached this, which is an actor who could not truly pull off NPH, but might be similar enough, and that would have been um, Ethan Embry. I think Ethan Embry Embry as not quite Neil Patrick Harris could have been a really fun... Thing around that time frame. I love Ethan Embry as a guest just because I love Ethan Embry because Empire Records is important. Um, but I, I don't, I, I kind of see it, but not really. I'm trying to think of somebody 2000. Rockwell? Or Sam Rockwell would be fun. No, it's got to be like, I don't know, Hugh Jackman? <laughs> JT, I think you're, you're getting it. Right Jr. No, it's got to be somebody who, it's got to be somebody who's sort of like, disappeared for a bit and in fact recently has sort of come back to the fold um he was he was pretty good at martial arts when he was younger ralph macchio ralph macchio was the backup player (laughs) that would have been great how amazing right would have been totally great so so that's fun fact number one and my fun fact number two um this movie could have been named how the kumar go to Krispy Kreme. Um, oh yeah, Krispy Kreme is like, no, no, thank you. Don't want to be associated with what could be a stoner film. So, well, Castle's like, here's all of our money. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> first of all, huge mistake by Krispy Kreme. Second of all, so the reason that I love this pick, so there's a couple things. One, um, the it, I remember it being a big deal in the Asian community because it was like finally like it was a th- there wasn't representation it's and they're still just fighting for it now like you know 20 years later, mm-hmm. um, so that's great. Uh, two, I adore Cal Penn, and it's totally yeah. on brand that he would raise his hand and be like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, like yeah. no, you can't do that. Three, I love White Castle. <laughs> like, I was so excited because as a kid, like as a New York kid, like they didn't make, there wasn't White Castles in upstate New York, but there definitely was downstate. They're all over Philly. I think it's from like Columbus, Ohio or something. Like it's from somewhere like that. Yeah. But like I just remember like White Castle and like a lot of my friends being like, "What's White Castle?" I'm like, "Did you just ask what White Castle was?" I'm like, "Oh, bro, we're getting in the car today and driving to state. Like, I'm going to show you what White Castle is. You're going to be so sick, by the way, but it's going to be so worth it." <laughs> and and the you know White Castle burgers, they're not the most expensive thing to buy. Also, you pay for air. There are five holes in every one of those patties, and you pay for it. It's such a good business model. And also, White Castle has one of those things like certain food, like sushi, endless sushi. Like I'm not like – because it just – for whatever reason, your brain and the rice don't catch up with each other until it's far too late. White Castle, bro – Forget like I can put down thirty dollars at White Castle, which is enough food to feed a small nation. Like because like it's everything at White Castle is aggressively inexpensive. <laughs> it's so true. It's I, so true. I wonder how come or how how did White Castle fail to jump on this? Like like if you think about 04, this is right as all of these other alternate burger chains really start taking Five Guys, Smash Burger. In and out on the West Coast, right? Like five but guys. You, uh, sorry, five, White Castle could be everywhere. But you just named good burger places. That's right. not White Castle. 
like White Castle is not like the high quality version of that. Like, and maybe I'm just oh, saying that as, a, as you know, a fat person who loves burgers. Uh, <laughs> but uh, like, yeah, like like the the fit for the film is so strong. Because, like, not that I've gotten stoned, but, like, if I'm drunk, White Castle is an excellent choice to take care of that. And there are really a, a few of those chains where you go, yes, that is the thing that I want when I'm in this state of mind. It's yeah. like, I want White Castle. I want Taco Bell. Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, right? Like, I, there are certain chains in which, like, I want that. Nobody's like, you know what I really want when I'm, I'm drunk? I want Arby's. Like, nobody says that. Well, maybe some people do, but... I'm I'm going for, to say for, I want Taco Bell. For, first of all, this is America. There are people saying I want me some of that Arby's, <laughs> right? Point. I think I think Johnny Rockets might be one of my top go tos, and uh, Red Robin. I don't know if they're on the East Coast at all, but if you've never had a Red Robin, so Red that's Robin. Good stuff. This is one. This is the deepest cut of food. You want to know just how much I like food? So Red Robin, aside from having bottomless fries, which is helpful in in particular states. Truth, truth. Better yet. And I cannot explain this. They're the only place that's ever done this. So they have really good mozzarella sticks, but they serve it on a piece of lettuce. And for some reason, the cold lettuce taste on the mozzarella sticks, it's like one of my favorite things ever. I can't explain why, but it's like a very specific thing where it's like for some reason that cold, crisp lettuce on the mozzarella stick adds some flavor. Like it's, I don't know green to fried i can't tell you but my other friend ryan lash makes fun of me all the time because we go and he's like you're gonna wrap it in the stupid lettuce i'm like i'm gonna wrap it in the lettuce <laughs> yeah. i think i think we need the lo-fi top five cookbook and that'll that'll have to be in there is jt special mozzarella sticks and in, in in lettuce there's uh, listen, it's so good i want to go back to it and then and then we're running low on time here but right i just want to say i I actually am going to disagree with something you said at the very beginning. I actually think this is better than a good movie, right? It is not a film. As a film goes, it's a solid like one and a half, right? But as far as what, what we want out of movies, I would say this movie delivers its own promise so perfectly that like, in other words, like we, we just had the, the, the meh reboots and I picked Hancock, right? Hancock's preview is misleading. And even as you start watching the movie, you're really not sure what you're getting out of it. Whereas from start to finish, again, having just re-seen it, Harold Kumar does actually deliver. Now, I don't know if a new audience would be able to enjoy it because it's just so weird and out there, but I also don't care. Fair. And, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I would also say there are only so many movies that you could say what you just said that also have the line. Did we get here on a cheetah? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeremy. So my favorite thing about the rebuttal episode is that it's a surprise. We have no idea what's happening. Do you feel the same way? I mean, it is a few of my favorite things. Do you have more? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just, that's a lead in, in case someone makes a reference to like a musical episode. That's not a music. If that happens, this whole thing pays off brilliantly by the end of the I was going to say, that felt like a really good lead into something we're not going to talk about. So you just nailed that. What I was going to say is my favorite thing about the surprises is that in this instance, we are surprising two of our rebuttalists because come to find out, you people have the same issue with me and Jeremy. And so instead of doing two separate ones, we're just going to make you do it at the same time. Jeff, Bo, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks. All right. So uh, I think, Jeff, you 
on ceremony. Jeff has been a longtime listener. He was the first person that ever came on. And just to give uh, sort of audience clarity, so Jeff is in my generation of, of listening on the younger side, but you know, he's, he still counts just, just gets in this, a squish in that Gen X category. I'm an old soul. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Bo is coming in uh, uh, millennial hot. Yeah. Bo, I would argue you might be fringy. Like you're, I'm, I'm, I'm at the middle. Yeah. Lower. Okay. And yeah. I try to keep it young. You're he's fresh. close to Gen Z. Like Bo's close to Gen Z. Yeah, emotionally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Given the episode that, again, by the way, we could be wrong, but but with the clues we were provided today, given the episode we're, we're talking about, Bo's actually pretty close to, like, actually having those memories. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. He was in high school, like, yesterday. Look at his face. Look at how young he looks. <laughs> I did a little beard trim. Just well. today. Just for the, just just for the, for the podcast, podcast yeah. which is a, yeah. a totally a visual medium. Yeah, it is. Uh, all right. But to stand on ceremony, Jeffrey has been with us since the very beginning, and he has been on here before. So I think we need to let Jeffrey go first. So, Jeff. Tell us, rebut us. What do you want to talk about today? So I, I, I think I might have my my gripe might be a little more global than you than you suspect. I, I think we should let Bo go first. Really? I think, I think Jeff's going to rebut our entire season. Is what's about to happen. He's got, <laughs> I got I got I got fifty one complaints <laughs> in the next four minutes. All right, broken into twenty four parts each. Well, if that's the case, then I am totally... Bo, are you comfortable going first? Yeah, no pressure. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. So new to the podcast, first time on, Bo, give us the year of... Well, first, tell us the episode that you want to rebut. Okay, so it was the high school episode. Okay. Yeah. Which we... we Just to confirm, sorry, Jeff, same? Same, same? My gripe includes the high school episode. Oh, wow. This is multi-gripe. Wow. Oh, he's taking this. He's going meta. All right, Bo. Bo, you seem like the safe start here. Let's. let's yeah, I agree. You would expect nothing less from me. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah, yeah. No, this is definitely on brand so far. Uh, so, Bo, you you go first. Give us the year. Okay, two thousand two. Okay, give us two actors. You're gonna get it, but Colin Hanks, John Lithgow. Colin Hanks and John Lithgow. Colin Hanks. And John, Colin Hanks. Yeah, Colin that's like, Hanks. That's like baby. Well, I guess it's a high school movie. Right. Is this? Uh, Should is I give there, you my uh, five, five word description? No, my go to for all of all of the millennial, all you got, all y'all's high school movie. Is this super bad? No. Okay. I all will right. say that was like my one B. <laughs> I think I, that I love that movie. <laughs> Came out when I was in high school. Jeez. Resonated, but no, that's it's not. It's not that. All right, so let's go five words. Okay. Unfortunate Ivy League application fiasco. Is it legally blonde? No. Should I give you another actor in it? Not yet. Not yet. Hold on. Unfortunate Ivy League. Ivy 2003 Ivy League movie. Wait, 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 wait. There's, is there, oh. uh, Isn't this like she applied, like a, like they start their own school or something. Accepted? No, no, that's not accepted. That's that's uh, that's Justin Long. No, I know. There's there's something about like a heart. Is is it is it Harvard in particular? Is that right? Is my memory? Stanford. Stanford. Ugh. I'm, I'm Harvard, actually Harvard is the Madonna movie, right? Isn't that the you're thinking of higher? You're thinking of higher learning or higher education? No, 
I don't know. Yeah, give, give me another actor. Jack Black. School of Rock? No. Jack Black, 2002. Wow. I, I can. We were post High Fidelity. Yeah. High Fidelity. For sure. Is this, is this an animated movie? No. Jack Black and. Oh, Colin. man. I thought you'd get it right away it. when I said Colin Hanks. No, I love that you have stumped us with it. Uh, so the one I'm thinking of, there's a movie and the poster has. I think I'm, if I'm right, he's got like oranges on his eyes yep. or something. Yeah. Oh, oh. You just said half the title. Orange County. Yep. Orange County. Orange County. Never saw it. Oh, I've totally seen this and this is a good poll and I, you're not wrong. I think it's an underrated movie. Mm. I think, well, first off, because Tom Hanks' son was in it, I don't think it got a legitimate take. People didn't really, you know, care for it as much, but I mean, it's an impressive movie the cat, the cameos are unreal in this movie. They have John Lithgow, of course, Harold Ramis, Chevy Chase, Ben Stiller, Kevin Klein, Leslie Mann, Catherine O'Hara. Like the cast is unreal. Yeah, it's wild. I think people gravitated towards this project because it was a really good screenplay, and I think they killed it. And I love this movie. And when I think about high school movies, this one resonates with me for sure. Well, well you had me at Chevy Chase. I just I like everything else you say about it. Even if he's on screen for about a second and a half. He I'm plays the principal, and he yeah, he's only on for a few seconds, but of course he steals the scene for sure. So just just first of all, as as the other millennial, this is a great call, and I'm really happy that this is a rebuttal because this is a straight up miss. I've seen this movie at least three or four times. It is absolutely brilliant. For some reason, it just doesn't resonate the way that like Ten Things I Hate About You did for me for some reason, which isn't. That this, that's not fair. This is a really, really good pick. It's also definitely an under the radar movie. And I think it put it Jack Black on the map. Like it, he went crazy after this with so many movies and, and parts. Yeah. I'm such a high fidelity nerd that he's high fidelity to me was when yeah. it was like, Oh, he can do everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's an interesting take. I think that's a generational thing. Cause for, I'm guessing I'm not trying to speak for you, Jeff, but for me, he started with high fidelity as well as a cameo, not a cameo, but like a small role in Enemy of the State with uh, Will Smith. Oh, and Gene Hackman. He was one of the he's one of the surveillance guys. Yeah. yeah, one of the nerd guys. And then from there, you got School of Rock right around the same time frame. So I think he actually started hitting hitting the mainstream right before this. But and to Kung your Fu Panda was brought into a wider audience. Kung Fu Panda was the real vehicle that just shot him into space. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a great pick. This is a great pick. So only question for you two is, would this movie have been better with Chet Hanks? <laughs> Ooh, is, I mean, everybody loves a good Chet Hanks. He's a wild card. You don't know what you're going to get, <laughs> but he's going to lean into every project he does. He's in the cage of the Chet, of the, of the, of the Hanks family. What I think is a more fun question is what's a better, is there any other celebrity child that could slide into this role? In our world, so who's like another? Who's the other like mutant offspring of comic genius? Oh, that's a really good question. Oh, uh, um, Reitman, Jason Reitman. Oh, oh Jason, that's the director side, but yeah, yeah, that's still, uh, listen. He counts. Yeah, Jason Reitman's a good one. Um, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question. I don't know. I'm sure there's more. This is a really good pick. I'm actually like pretty annoyed. I'm trying to think. So this definitely should have replaced Nick and Nora on my list for sure. Because um, Nick and Nora was already a wee bit of a stretch because it's more high school kids than high school movie anyway. Um, 
I just didn't think I'd ever get a chance to talk about that movie again. And it's my podcast, so I can do that. Uh, but this is actually better in both the fits the category better and it might be a better movie. Okay, so then, Bo, you have officially scored one point on the yeah. five top five. Um, I will we'll cherish that point. In a future time to try to get to a second point. The current point count is one. Right. For all players. Yeah. And uh, well done. I think, I think you might have more points than me already. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, in the, you're in the negative, buddy. You're in the negative. Oh, I'm definitely in the negative. All right, so that being said, uh, it's time – for Festivus, for the rest of us, he's got a lot of grievances. He's got a lot of things he wants to say to these people. Jeffrey, rebut. So I actually have two, two, uh, two things to say. First of all, going back to the uh, meh movies that need a reboot episode fairly recently. Sure. I only remember like the last two or three episodes, to be honest with you. Um, so, JT, in your... Uh, What's the end thing called? In your Fast Five, Fast Five, you threw Goonies in there, yeah. Which oh. I am pretty sure was just to piss off me and Jeremy and every other Gen Xer listening to the podcast. Not only is it a bad take, like that kind of like poking the bears just beneath you. <laughs> And I'd like you to work harder in the future to make us feel bad. All right, so let me. I want to. There's a few things I want to address here. One. Yes, it was on purpose. Two, it most certainly is not beneath me. Um, three, I could do better though. And <laughs> that, that's just this is a universal theme in my life. I'm very comfortable accepting. Um, yeah, that was more like a fun thing. It was actually, it was a callback to an episode that Jeremy and I also don't remember the number of, but we talked about how they should just make Goonies again over and over and over again. Just make yeah, new Goonie movies. Which I agree with. And the truth is, you have an argument to make by today's standard right. that it doesn't hold up, but it was not in its time a meh movie. It was like groundbreaking. It changed all of our sure. everything and set the stage for a whole series of movies about kids doing extraordinary things. We've talked about that before. Um, so anyway... Let's move past that. I'm willing to move past that if you are. I'm for you, Jeff. I can move past that. My my biggest concern of the moment, uh, you know, just just to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. <laughs> uh, my biggest concern at the moment is you made the comment about poking the bear. I have a hunch that now I'm going to have to be subjected to JT trying to prod me about how. <laughs> 80s movies are, you know, half crap. And me having to defend why he's wrong and they're awesome. But uh, we'll we'll see what this what this means for 2022. Hey, that's what the rebuttal episode's for. I think you guys are already doing that a little bit if you don't know that you have that shtick. But here's actually the much more important rebuttal. Oh. And this is a meta, this is a meta rebuttal. We're going to use the high school episode as uh, the example to prove the rule. My rebuttal is against the concept of the Shawshank. Oh my! I'm Shawshanking this opinion right now. He's he's yeah. You're you're not rebutting the episode. You're rebutting you're rebutting the the. I don't even know what the. the but but he's about to bring it up on an episode where okay, I actually see where you're going, and I'm happy to have this conversation. You're wrong. Go ahead. <laughs> so here's so here's my issue. In the high school episode, and this happened in a few episodes, but let's use this one as the example. You take the most high school-y movie that there is, the most um, 
iconic, which was The Breakfast Club. Well, there was two. In the high school episode, there was two. I actually Shawshanked American Pie and Jeremy Shawshanked Breakfast Club. Yeah, right, Breakfast so Club was the right one. It's Breakfast Club, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bo, help, help, Bo, help. <laughs> so so here's, here's, the, here's the thing, though. For both of those movies, the truth is, and maybe when there's an episode with a lot more entries, maybe this is less relevant, but when there's not as many to choose from, you know, I'm just not as interested in listening to an episode about high school movies that doesn't include those two movies, especially The Breakfast Club and and even American Pie, which is also a great movie. Uh, so, so, like, I missed it. I missed it in that episode. I wanted to hear. So maybe the category of the Shawshank can remain, but a listing of its qualities that make it the Shawshank for the category. Well, wanting to elaborate on why these are iconic and why they should be Shawshank. Yeah, so for example, The Breakfast Club lays down the sort of entire genre of different kids in different categories and and crossing those boundaries, this sort of defining um, clicky whatever that, that comes up again and again and again in all future high school movies. I just needed to hear a little bit more about that to frame the rest of the conversation. Instead, to my mind, you talked about a bunch of meh high school movies, and I think the time would have been better spent talking about Breakfast Club and American Pie, for that matter. I mean, I feel attacked. Jeremy, go ahead. <laughs> you asked for a rebuttal episode. No, it, it, it's a fair point. I think um, I, I think it's true that there are times where we'll have a movie where we do in fact want to talk about it and then sort of get ourselves a little locked up with, with Shawshanking. But so that's so that's a fair point. But I think I think Jeff, if you're going to put us on the spot for our entire podcast, which you were clearly doing and comfortable doing, then I think we're going to have to put you right back on the spot to be like, all right, make make the Breakfast Club. St- what what did you want to hear? You got two three minutes. Tell us what did we miss saying? Talk to us. Yeah, I mean, I think I did it a little bit already, which which is to say that the whole concept of sort of defining high school by its clicks. The persona. The persona, how some people can cross those boundaries and some people can't. When you see, whether it's it's a future high school movie about, you know, a kid who's nerdy, who then like cleans up and becomes, you know, popular, which is a whole genre, you know, that's Ali Sheedy walking out at the end of at the end of Breakfast Club, you know whether it's um, about you know the the athletes picking on the the nerdy kids, whatever it is, you know, and, and so on and so forth. I just it seems to me that more or less every future trope, put in different contexts, different schools, different kinds of humor, whatever it is, is drawn out of this framing of high school kids have cliques. The clicks define life, and let's explore that ecosystem. And so as the presenter of that ecosystem, it seems to me like then, okay, we can look at all these other movies. We could sort of even maybe see, now I'm thinking, how do they connect back? You know, that that sort of thing. So were you two points and they got a mercy on your soul. I accept. Well, here's, here's what I'll say, though. So all kidding aside, I don't feel attacked. Um, this is a fair point. 
What I will point to, however, as the producers of this show is we talk about a lot of movies. Wait, 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 wait. Do we have producers? <laughs> you, now I'm attacked. Now I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> if you couldn't figure out who does the editing, folks, that was your answer. Um, no, but I think what... Let's, so the let's go back to the impetus of the Shawshank, right? The impetus of the Shawshank was that there are movies that obviously sort of define the category. And I think you picked an amazing episode because I agree. I actually said in the episode, if memory serves, which it does not, but it, whatever, I'm almost positive. I said something to the effect of I didn't write it down because of course. Like right. I, I, I knew Jeremy would either – I thought he was going to – I knew he'd Shawshank it or he'd talk about it. I, I agree with you, by the way. Like, it's better than any other high school movie. Like, that's just true. The tough part is that it also fits a lot of other categories and we wind up talking about it. And I don't want to speak for Jeremy, but part of what I consider our role in this is to come up with interesting categories and outside of movies other than them. Because if you want to hear people wax po poetic about why John Hughes was amazing and why The Breakfast Club was important, use Google. Like, there's a lot of people more qualified than us to tell you why that movie is so important. And I think it's more fun if we get weird and do things like Orange County, which I'm really pissed off I missed, that like people didn't pay attention to, or like for me, um, oh no, Jeremy, help. Superbad? No, what's the one that I always bring up and now that I can't think in real time? I love how Jeremy has mentioned Superbad <laughs> probably 10 or 15 times. And I agree, that should be a top five included. Can't hardly wait, can't hardly wait. Oh, I thought you were going to say Deliverance, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I'm just a sucker for a good banjo. No one went to high school in that movie. Nobody went to high school yeah. in Deliverance. That's definitely true. Yeah. No, I think this is fair. I think we should revisit the rule because I don't think getting rid of it makes sense, but I think giving it zero airtime is probably a fair thing for us to reconsider. Well, producer JT, if I'm hearing you right, what I think actually is coming through this is, A, it's okay to Shawshank the regular stuff because – to your point, we're trying to find things that are not going to be the number one on everybody's list, right? right. Like we're going to do a mafia movie and, and sit here and talk about Godfather for 10 minutes. I'm sure we have unique insights that have never been said before. Flash S. Um, <laughs> but is it weird that I'm, I'm print tagging sarcasm out loud? <laughs> <laughs> so far, both things. This is a visual medium. You think it's written. We're doing a great job. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of gestures right now. <laughs> Lots of gestures. We're going to put captions on this, right? Yeah. yeah, we'll put captions. Yeah. Uh, so I think what we should continue to do is be comfortable that if we think the thing's simply the best, then it comes down to a either A, decide we want to take a nuance on why, what's different, how it affected us, make it very personal. Um but try not to. But but still try not to lean too far into retelling you a thing you might have heard before. Yeah. Or I was going to say that I I think that the personal piece is what's important about it. Right. Uh, you know. So for Breakfast Club, for example, that's a life changing movie for me. Probably for Jeremy. Probably for just about everybody our age. It changed the way we spoke. It changed the way we saw each other. You know, that is a case of a movie that had an enormous impact on the culture that we lived in. I mean, in high school, like that's when it hit a little. I was right. a little younger than that. But but, you know, that carried over until we were in high school. And so I think that personal, you know, every other high school movie comes through that filter, not because we're such film geeks, but because it that's the filter we wear because 
that movie was our okay. our way of seeing high school. In the same way, in fact, that The Godfather is our way of seeing a mafia. Like everyone's going to be compared. Everyone's going to, you know. Um, yeah. What's interesting. So I, I will give you one exception to the rule. It is very hard to explain why Shawshank is the Shawshank. Right. Oh, yeah. Like Shawshank has no business being the most rewatchable movie. No. It makes no sense. It's got, no. you know, it's a strange movie that takes place in a prison with weird ups and downs and very little redemptive qualities. And yet it's the Shawshank. But let's be clear. There is a there is a violent prison beating and rape scene in this movie. Yeah. It is everybody's top movie of all time. Yeah. <laughs> So either, again, this is where when the robot overlords take over and they start analyzing patterns, like, oh, we'll just make more movies. Like, if we're in the Matrix, we should be seeing more movies with violent prison rape. I, I, that's a very interesting take. Which but, is now proof positive that we can't be in a simulation because it should have learned from that behavior pattern. That must, yeah. Good job. You just although, solved it. Although I will look forward to that top five list in 2022. <laughs> but I, I love the high school category because the nostalgia factor is so important. It like has to resonate with a certain age group generation. And obviously breakfast club did that. American pie did that. Yeah. I also think you have to ask the question, could this story be as impactful if it wasn't in a high school setting? And I think mm -hmm. some of the titles that you guys had, I could see it in a different, maybe like someone running an internship or yeah. in a college or in a different environment and be just as entertaining, just as probably, Prolific, but and then I think uh, I think it's important to have a collaboration of characters and storylines, and not just to focus on one person. And I think some of the best high school movies accomplish that. It's like a group of people, and they're kind of intertwined their storylines and all that stuff. Yeah, what's painstaking for me right now is that you're proving Jeff's point about the Breakfast Club. Like <laughs> <laughs> everything you said, because everything you said is right. I I agree with you entirely. All right, so. Uh, I'm willing to I'm, I'm willing to remove Nick and Nora for Orange County for sure. Uh, I am I think we have some some real real internal looking at it, at ourselves we need to do based on on Jeff's feedback. Uh, so to to close this out because it was technically we were talking about the high school episode. We'll do. Is there anybody have anybody got any other ones that we thought we missed? Jeff, you've always got opinions. Did we miss anything? I mean, probably, but we can take care of those in private. I just want to thank you guys. I, I really feel heard. By, by, by this whole thing. You really, thanks for being open to the whole Shawshank thing. I am both genuinely so grateful and so annoyed that you came at the podcast the way you did. Like both at the same time, equally. <laughs> well, I would hate to disappoint you. You never do. Uh, what about you, Bo? You I, last I words? have a couple and Shoot. I want to get your feedback. Shoot. So these were in my top five. I had Risky Business. Interesting. Which I, I thought was a great movie. Great high school movie. And I had, we talked about Super Bad multiple times. Sure. Um, you mentioned The Girl Next Door in Rapid Fire. I, I just that. watched that two days ago. Absolutely love that movie. And the last That's one, funny. Juno. So here's the thing. Juno was on my initial list, and I'll defend why it's not on there, is because it, outside of the like two scenes in the hallway, it happens exclusively outside of high school, and it has very little to do with actual high school drama mm -hmm. because it's really centered around child rearing and adoption and childbirth. So I agree it is a high school movie in principle. I guess it depends what high school you go to. I guess it depends on what high school you went to. In, in my high school, I can name the three Junos. I think most of us could, but it wasn't my experience. So 
you didn't get pregnant. The line between like a movie about teenagers versus a high school movie. Yeah, well, and that's where like I'm, I think you did a great job though bringing Orange County to the table because that is very firmly a high school movie, whereas Nick and Nora is a movie about high school kids. It has nothing right. to do with high school. Literally, just about high school kids. So I, I'm I I will retract that and accept it. Um, all right, boys, listen. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for your thoughtful feedback, as always, kidding aside. And Bo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Great to meet you, Bo. It's a pleasure. And Jeff, you know, let's have a little mindful moment to reflect on what we've learned today. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jeremy. So I don't know how we have avoided this moment this long. We are on episode 75, which is actually bordering closer to 100 if you include everything else. And I have never been able to do the my wife joke until right now and now i can (laughs) it's that time it's that time so everybody welcome to the podcast the better part of of my entire life and uh someone who is here to tell me i'm wrong which she is so good at kayla hello (laughs) hey there i'm excited are you looking forward to correcting jt even more than you probably normally do yeah, I don't even need a spot on the podcast because every time this podcast is live, like within an hour and a half, I have like a list of notes for him of things that I think you guys should have talked about. It's a good idea because, you know, as speaking on behalf of creators, we like notes. Yeah. Yeah. We love, we love a good note, especially from your spouse. It's the best. Said no creator ever. <laughs> yeah, my wheelhouse is like not your wheelhouse. Like I've seen every rom-com three or four times. I love a good Hallmarky movie, like low budget. Yeah, it's it's my movies don't always hit some of the lists that you would come up with. So, well, that's okay because just going into this from if I'm pretending I only know you from the context of this podcast, I'm just going to assume you're correcting all the episodes of the year because they all should have included Clue. Am I correct? Yeah, a hundred percent. Every single one. I okay. didn't even start your um, the one that Clue was featured in because I was a little nervous. Like if they don't pull this out as the Shawshank, I just can't listen anymore. But Maybe we're going to need a special episode where, where Clue should be in there and you and I just like deliberately, completely avoid it just to see how much smoke starts coming out of her ears. I mean, you just described most of how I associate with all of the movies and TV she watches. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> all right, well, let's hear. What, what did we do wrong this time? All right, what episode are we in? So uh, this isn't about what you did wrong. I'm going to take a page from Jeremy's playbook and oh. break basically every rule you had. Oh, sweet. Love this it. is not a rebuttal because you could not have put this movie on your list. Okay, so this is more an update to your Labor Day oh. episode. Oh, oh, okay. From reminding our audience, Labor Day was a, a very clever pun. It was super clever about babies in movies. <laughs> so I'm guessing already there's a 2021 entry for this list. I know I've basically provided you with all of the clues you need, but That's this okay. is a 2021 movie. Okay, go ahead. Let's let's start. Okay, so Metacritic score, which I think was embarrassingly low, uh, was 31. percent Oh, geez. I disagree. Obviously. Okay. Um, uh, and the you want the actors next? Actors. Okay. The actors I'm going to give you are Timothy Oliphant and Skylar Gazondo. I like Mr. Oliphant. I don't think I know who Skylar is. Do you, JT? No, I don't. Timothy Oliphant is what I love him in everything he does. Um, Skylar is from The Righteous Gemstones. He played one of the sons. 
Oh, he's I do know who he is. Mm-hmm. He's the oldest son that he's the older son yeah. that comes back. Yeah. He's in you know him if you saw him, Jer. Okay. Is that yeah, guy? In, I think he was in Spider-Man. He's done a couple. He's a, he's a younger actor. actor. Yeah. Okay. Okay. My five words are baby unseen, but biggest character. Baby unseen. So there's a, there's a baby in the story that we don't actually see in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it came out this year. Can you can you tell us since it's a, since you're referencing Labor Day is it a movie that actually came out since Labor Day or just in 21? Since Labor Day. Oh my! Wow, so it's like new, new. Have mm-hmm. I seen this? Yes. Oh, this is embarrassing. So <laughs> I, I hope this wasn't on a date night. I've seen this in the past like couple months. <laughs> yeah. And don't remember it. Yeah, with me. With you. Oh, we talked about it extensively. Wait, is this like a super sad movie? Questionable. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely is. Is this Melissa McCarthy? Yes. Oh, uh, okay. I don't remember the name of this movie. Yeah. So this is Melissa McCarthy and Chris O'Dowd. Chris yeah. O'Dowd deserves an, an Oscar for yes, this. I think so. This is the movie The Starling. Starling. This is a Netflix oh. movie. Oh. Yeah. Came out on Netflix. Okay. I think two or three weeks after Labor Day. It actually premiered at the Toronto Film Festival in the middle of September. Um, and it's the biggest roller coaster of emotions. Um, have you not seen it, Jeremy? Haven't seen of it, haven't heard of it. Guessing it's depressing. Probably won't see it. Okay, so I'm about to just drop all the spoilers, which I know you try not to do because it's it's a, you know it's more no no, no go for it. This 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 kind of one, carte blanche. I, everybody yeah. else, if you want to see this depressing movie that I'm guessing is about a baby dying, just just from the look on your two's faces, <laughs> which I will never ever see. But please, <laughs> please go. Okay, well, so here's the thing. I actually think it's. It's, I'm going to say it's heavy, but like I laughed through moments of this movie and that you're right. It's about um, a couple who loses their child and how they process that grief. And so the, the way that this story unfolds is the husband, Chris O'Dowd, who's really, really dealing with the trauma of this. He has to go away and be process it through um, some time at a mental facility. And Melissa McCarthy is left at home to kind of take care of real life and pay the bills and work her job and just go on. And I just think that this is a topic that is not talked about. I think women as in our society, we're just kind of figuring out how to even talk about miscarriage and loss, but the idea right. of men talking about it and, and from that angle, it's just not something that we've really tapped into yet. Um, I actually learned that the screenplay was written in the opposite. She, the wife is who goes away and the husband's who picks up the pieces. Oh, and it was blacklisted oh. in 2005 as being, it was on the blacklist of a movie that would never get produced. But oh. they switched the character roles and put it out. And I just think that, you know, this, how do I say this? I think that men are so often characterized in movies, right? With that thick masculinity and it's just very toxic. And so for Chris O'Dowd to play a character that is the opposite of everything you normally see in movies on a Netflix movie that's, um, you know, so easily viewed by so many people, I think it's just important. And the movie is sad, but like I cried, but also like laughed through it. Like there were some really lighthearted moments and it felt really beautiful. It was just a beautiful movie. Yeah. So I spent the first part of you talking, trying to remember where Timothy Oliphant was in this. And I just remembered. So that makes me really happy. Um, so Chris O'Dowd was, uh, was a vision in this movie. Mm. Like he was so good. 
Um, Melissa McCarthy was also very good. She was a little too Melissa McCarthy shtick for me, um, but that's kind of her lane and I get it. Uh, it was a beautiful movie. I'm actually really glad you brought it up because I can't imagine a world where I ever will talk about this on the podcast again. So, <laughs> so Kevin, Cl- Kevin Klein was in it. Kevin Klein, who Jeremy he was loves. Kevin Love Klein. Kevin Klein. And he was he was all the Kevin Klein. Like it was really like these are three, four, yeah. two. Skyler was pretty good. Some of the Oliphant was just like he's a bit part. Um, really, really good performances. It's a really, really like harrowing sort of story. It's very real. Um, I'm surprised it was panned as much as it was on by critics, probably because it was a little too on the nose, if I had to guess. Um, I would see it. Like I actually, Jeremy, you won't watch it. But for people who are yeah, I know you won't. But for people who I could or would, it's actually really well done. It's a little bit bloated time-wise. Like it takes a while to get home. Um, but there's, there's, there's purpose and intention in that given the story they're telling too. It's a really good pick. It's a really, really interesting pick. It's a really interesting pick. I, I, I agree. I agree with that call. And I, and I like the reasons you chose it as well. And, and by the way, for, for full transparency, the only reason I don't, I just don't watch movies like these because I find everything about like kid tragedy, parent movie stories, just, they just take too much out of me. I don't, you know, and, and which is interesting because I have really knock on wood experienced any serious tragedy of any kind in life. But I mean, I got, I broke my knee once, <laughs> but uh, no, the, there's something about, about these kinds of stories that really get under my skin. I, yeah. I think I just need, I think I just need a few more years of therapy to be able to watch them. I can understand that. And you know, I didn't know when we started it, that that's what it was going to be about, which is maybe why I appreciated it so much because where JT tends to think movies have too much what do we call them? Bloat in them. Yeah. I, I'm somebody who watches them and needs that time to kind of be processing it along with the character. And specifically in this movie, which is about how different people process extreme trauma and guilt differently. This idea that like, it does just take time and it it is, there's not an easy direct path, even in a Hollywood movie about it. I really appreciated that because it made me kind of, you know, go with them and you know, it, it was just beautiful, and I think it was a something that is not seen often. I think it's not a topic that comes up often. Um, but again, I didn't leave like exhausted from crying through the whole thing. It was it was it. well done, and that it wasn't like my girl where you watch it, and next thing you know, you like got to call into work the next day because you look miserable from just sobbing for the whole night. Yeah. It wasn't like that for me. It was emotional, but like in a in a moving way. So, so Kayla, when we say pick an emotional movie, you're going to go with my girl. Is that correct? I, I, I think 14-year-old Kayla would go with my girl because I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't know that could happen. Yeah, none of us did. That's why that movie is <laughs> one of the worst movies ever made. That's terrible. That is just a terrible experience in my solo movie viewing teenager years. It was shocking. It was, it was even at the time, because I, obviously I was older when I saw that. But I remember when that movie came out and you're like, oh, it's Dan Aykroyd. Oh, who's this Andrew Chlumsky and all these. Oh, oh, oh. I love Tom Malone. Yeah. No, that movie. What are those bees doing here? Get rid of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. His glasses. It's not okay. That movie's not not okay. So that like, those are the worst. So the Starling, we didn't know what it was about. It was literally just like a Netflix thing. I love Chris O'Dowd Mm -hmm. and Kevin Klein. I'm like, all right, Right. this can't be bad. And by the way, I want to be very clear. It was not bad. It's a really, really well done movie. To Kayla's point, there was intentionality around how long it took to get things. It handles a bunch of very serious stuff very well. I do, however, 
take issue. This is not a spoiler, but like when they take a long time to get to the thing that they didn't make clear was going to happen. Like I, I, I get angry. Like we Mm. went and saw, this is a spoiler. Sorry, but it's all, it's a book and it's a movie. My mom took me and my sister to go see bridge to Terabithia, which we had were unfamiliar with the story. And I won't say what happens, but like there's an event and like, I'll never forgive her for that. Like I will never, ever forgive her for making me see Bridget Terabithia because the thing that happens and you're just like, excuse me, what just happened? Like, that's not what we're, this movie's in 3D. I thought this was fun. Like, yeah. Well, okay. Just to draw one last parallel then. And then uh, we're way away from original movie topic. Is it, is, is, I haven't seen the Terabithia bridge movie. I don't see all the bridge movies that come out, but um, would you compare it to the death of the horse in Neverending Story? Ah, oh, brutal, brutal. It's along those lines. Because to me, as a kid, that was the saddest thing that has ever happened on a screen. Yeah, so I have a problem as a person, speaking of therapy, that I should probably get. Because, like, <laughs> you can kill most people in movies, and I'll be kind of annoyed, but, like, I'll get over it. If you come for a dog or a horse, bro, I'm a mess. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, that's a thing. That's a thing. I'm telling you, there are two movies that we've seen in the last, like, five years. Where within the first five minutes, they pan in on a dog, and he will yell, if they kill that dog, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, like. I, and then I, he has turned off movies. I'll turn them off. Don't kill the is, dog. Is, is the one that you told me about? I can't remember. I think Kevin Spacey Hockey. may have been that Hockey. one. No, that dog. No, doesn't die. But that's that's top five emotional. Movie. Yeah, that movie's terrible. No, I oh like. My God. It's this is it's the I Am Legend thing, which everybody knows that. Like when they when he kills a dog in I Am Legend, I'm out. I'm like I'm not watching the rest of this movie now. I hate this guy. I don't care what he right. does. I don't care why he did it. The answer's no. Don't shoot your dog. <laughs> like you just yeah. you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> All right, well, we've certainly taken this quite moving story into an entertaining tale about vampires. Yeah. Uh, I'm just here to bring levity to your podcast, guys. You're doing great. No, I also love the pick, mostly because I think if I had been looking at the list of episodes for the year and had to pick, like, the top five I would not predict someone else would pick to do, this would be there. And, And so for that alone, major kudos. Listen, it was real close to being the backup plan with Jennifer Lopez, but I took a left-hand <laughs> turn, and I'm here with the Starling. Well, was that I also say, in the baby movie category? We'll talk off podcast. Yeah, I, so, uh, <laughs> I can tell you. I could go on about that one. Let's, let's, let's not. I'll, I'll tell you that you definitely made the right choice. Okay. <laughs> and it's, uh, Starling is genuinely, yeah. go see it. Like Not yeah. Jeremy. Everybody else should go see it. It's a really good movie. And um, if Chris O'Dowd does not get nominated in some capacity for that role by the Oscars, I will be stunned he's because not his portrayal, <laughs> but I just mean compared to all the other movies I've seen in the last year, his portrayal is just, he's just such a good actor. You clearly didn't see Timothy Chalamet wear a sweater in the desert because he's going to get a lot of Oscars. Well, there's four other roles, four other spots. It's top five, right? Is that who they not usually nominate? So, all right. I'll see you later. You know. <laughs> Thank you for having me guys. It's been <laughs> yeah. a pleasure. Bye. <laughs> All right, Jeremy. So now that we have heard from all of our all of our fans, not all of our fans, but we've heard from some of our fans. We've heard some things that we could do better. We've we've heard some opinions. We've gone to a lot of places. We've gone to the 70s. We've gone to the 2021s. We've gone to animal death. Lots of weird things have happened. That said, uh, I want to ask you, if you had to rank your top five today of who bought the best rebuttals, 
What's your top five? Do you, you mean of, of this week's or am I including last year's as well? Oh, I didn't think of last year's. No, let's uh, just let's, let's keep it current. Let's keep it current. Well, I love the I love the keeping us honest checks from folks. I love that there was different ways that they interpreted even the episode. I, if, if anything, uh, you know, despite being a bit of a broken man after listening to all that, if anything, I'm been bolstered by the way people sort of took take the spirit of the Lo-Fi Top Five and 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 weave it to tell us whatever they actually want to tell us and find Same. a way for us to be wrong. I think the most the most creative entry is probably. For me, it was probably Kayla's. Okay. I think the the most uh, most. I, I, so I'm not going to do a top five. I'm going to do my own version of it. The, I, I think superlatives. Do superlatives. Superlatives are more super, fun. Yeah. Anyway. I think Jeff raised a phenomenal point. Like, hey, if you're going to Shawshank a thing, but that thing needs to be talked about, or, or your angle on it needs to be talked about, make sure you talk about it, guys. It was a very good point. Uh, I, you know, I, I can't really comment on the Orange County call out. It seemed like an appropriate fit. It, really it felt good. It felt good, but I haven't seen it. So I have no real comment, but your reaction to it made it seem like pretty, pretty spot on. It's a good pick. I think Harold and Kumar was hands down though, the biggest miss of if someone, if I were to say which one caught us, like if the purpose was, what was the mo- biggest whiff we had? that was easily sort of replaced, well, not an esoteric movie, something we both have seen. Like, Harold and Kumar could have been on my list or your list, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I got and, and then and my mom's pick, you know, is is in that, if I had seen it again recently, I think it might have, I think it might have made my list. Like, I haven't seen it since, you know, per the discussion when whenever I saw it with her, probably in, as a late teenager. I think if I were to watch it again this weekend, I'd be like, that's a top something. Yeah. So I think it's it's interesting the way it fell out, right? Because like you've got Orange County, I've got the three condors, right? So two, I take it on your word and our listeners were, is it was it three condors? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I definitely, I was going to let you go with that, but no, it's uh, it's three days of the condor. Of the condor, sure. All right, so three yeah. birds and uh, or one day, three birds, one day. Three birds, one day. A place in in Los Angeles, kind of. Uh, so we both had a movie that we hadn't seen, so it's hard to lean into whether or not that that was a right pick or not. Right? We both aggressively agree on White Castle. Like Harold and Kumar go to White Castle is a great pick. Like just collectively, we we both missed that. So I agree with you. That's the miss. Like that's the clear miss. Uh, Caleb's was very clever. And I'm glad we got to talk about it because it's actually a movie that I'll never have a chance to bring up probably. So I'm glad we got a chance to air it out, if for nothing else, just to love on Chris Dowd. And I also walked away uh, very appreciative of of Jeff and his willingness to tell us that he thinks that there's an opportunity for us to do something better and like kind of prescribe how, because it means he cares enough for it to be better. And you know what? That's a really cool kind of listener to have. So all yeah. in all, I don't feel very rebutted. I feel rejuvenated. I'm ready. I want to do more of these. I guess we'll just have to keep doing it. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, Happy holidays, everybody. And we've got another one of these coming. The next episode, I think, maybe not. I'm wrong a lot. I think it's going to be us doing our year in review or not. But either way, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on the Little Fights Outside. Is it too late now to say sorry? Because I'm missing more than just your body. Oh, is it too late now to say sorry? 
Sorry, this is the best part of the podcast. It's going to trump everyone else you bring in. Well, Sorry, Jeremy's mom. It was, it was pretty good. It was. Sorry, Jeremy's mom. <laughs> no, that. Do you have that in the recording? Because if you do, 